0: you see the news on the telly last week, Joe?
1: Hello, I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm just getting information from... Oh, already, yeah. <laughs> uh, from, yeah, no, yeah, sorry. say hello ahead. to people first. Hello, no, sorry, well, it's important information, go ahead. Yeah. Um, Did you see the news on the telly? On the telly? Yeah. What's the telly?
0: It's, you
1: know... Television, you mean? Yeah. TV? On the computer, on the internet, yeah. on the web, people we don't browsing the, the web. People don't have tellies anymore.
0: Well, I know, but we're like... Old We're, we're before, before, you know...
1: Information age, yeah.
0: They said the globe is boiling. Yeah. Now, I we're Irish, so we tend to use hyperbole when we're talking about the weather, yeah. even though actually our variables, you know, pretty much go from 12 degrees to 18 degrees and nothing ever beyond that. But we, you know, tend to use the word boiling a lot when referring to hot weather. But apparently last week, the top chief of the UN actually claimed that the globe, were. Entering an era of global boiling. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's global. You, th- you thought it's, it's terrifying.
1: Well, you thought global. You, terrifying. You, th- you thought global. Global warming was bad. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's um, not. No. It's global boiling. Um, yeah. He. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's not
0: April, so he wasn't. There's joking. so many
1: things where I just go. Well, okay. Um you know uh and this was one of the It's, them. it's a hot week, take you could say. That's a hot take from like someone in a you know, supposedly a high high level leadership position. Um but he said it and you're meant to believe it, you know, um I suppose. Presumably he's he's um, claiming
0: science said. Yeah yeah. Science told me that like Simon said, Science yeah, said.
1: Yeah. We're just waiting for it to be put oh, up here, sure. but um, Do you want to play that? Yeah. yeah. I, I just said it.
0: Okay good. Yeah, it's a historical moment. I think we may look back on this and go, "That's where it really went mental." Well, they want you to think that from now on is when the weather really got hot, but um, more like when. when
1: And for scientists, it is unequivocal: humans are to blame. All this is entirely consistent with predictions and repeated warnings. The only surprise is the speed of the change. Climate change is here, it is terrifying, and it is just the beginning. The era of global warming has ended, the era era of global boiling has arrived. The air is unbreathable, the heat is unbearable, and the level of fossil fuel profits and climate inaction is unacceptable. Leaders must Leads
0: no, you know leaders must lead what 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 they must but push push that message and then take oh take actions, and the actions are green, green, stop using fossil fuels yes, just stop oil the the, the sloganeering of yes. the protesters. And and how serious? So do you think? He mission. sounds serious. So how serious are they? are they? Literally talking about that?
1: Well. Just stop oil, for example. Because you know. But you, yeah, we're going to a green. You we know, we're going to a green future. It's going to be just uh, solar panels and wind farms. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. No, it can't be. It can't be. Half of the food supply for the whole earth that may include us. I presume it does. Half of us depend on. Crops, either we ingest ourselves or the animals that we ingest eat the, those crops, on um, so-called fossil fuels, That the nitrogen, the fertilizers, and the pesticides that come. Because although without them, there's too much farmland that's currently used that's too extreme, and or the weather's too variable, or oh, the climate's too extreme, whatever. Yeah. If we are going into increasing climate change, you need more of that stuff or you're going to have less crops. Either way, h- half of the food supply. Yeah. If you just stop oil, you're talking about a genocide of fifty yep. percent
1: of the population. Emissions—it's all about emissions. It's—I haven't seen. I've tried to find it, but I haven't seen a coherent plan uh, yeah. that would that would explain what he actually means. Right. Uh, which is what we're asking about what that the UN Secretary General there said um, about you know leaders. Are meant to lead, and we need to do something to stop this unbra- unbreath- unbreathable action, action. air and unbearable heat and the global boiling. Um, other than wind farms and um, solar panels, and yeah, like to replace fossil fuels. Uh, I don't know, um, greening of the economy, I suppose, transitioning. But like companies can't just stop using fossil fuels if there aren't enough power from wind farms and solar panels, right? So you can't just decide to do that tomorrow so i don't know i haven't like i said i haven't seen a coherent plan of action as to how to stop the the, the global boiling um that we're all experiencing especially as you mentioned up in in the uk over most <laughs> of july, most of july uh, where it's just been pissing rain for the whole time and about 14 degrees i know i was um, up there earlier this month <laughs> 14
0: yeah. degrees the day i left yeah I, and the fucking pacing rain like lashing rain you know,
1: you know, endless what, rain for forty-eight hours. You know, in in Irish, in the Irish language, there are a hundred and three different words for um, rain. I'm not surprised. That's how much it rains there. Um, <laughs> it beats the Eskimos in their words for snow. Um, but not yeah. just there, though.
0: I mean, all week long. So we we covered this already last week, but it's been another week of incessant headlines about the high temperatures. They're mostly focused on Europe, but they're also referring to heat domes and heat waves everywhere else, in the the northern hemisphere, whatever. Mm -hmm. But for us, we're in Europe, so most of our attention has been Western media. So all week long, nonstop, in your face. Like, it's insane. Now, in fairness, they're kind of acknowledging that their super red, dark scary maps of Europe have shifted a bit, so it's not so much... In northern, western, central Europe, and it's pushed down and, and, and out east. It's currently like the highest points are Greece, Turkey, and elsewhere. But mm-hmm. still, I swear to God, at the same time that they were still had it over the region where we live. Mm-hmm. I think Wednesday, blazing hot oh. red. You know, accompanied with you know quick clip vids of a wildfire, not far from us either, but a hundred k to the to the east. Headlines, you know, oh, Europe, oh, oh, jeez, the bacon, Mm -hmm. bacon. It was 21 degrees Celsius. Right. Where we were. And then there was some variation on the coast. It was 27. Close to where this wildfire started. Mm -hmm. And the clip went viral in the west. It was just, it wasn't even, I don't even think it was a media report. It was footage taken by someone who was near it. Yes, it was a wildfire. It was started by an electrical fault. And it torched like, Roughly a hectare mm-hmm. was put out, but the, that that that's not, that isn't the main point. The main point is that the imagery of it that was associated with the high temperatures in southern France mm-hmm. implied or in, in, suggested in people's minds that really high temperatures were a key causal factor in that. Right. The temperature at the coast, at the highest kinds of temperatures in all of the French hexagon on that day, Wednesday, twenty fourth or twenty fifth of July, was twenty. 7 Celsius at the coast. We're a bit further inland and it was surprisingly cooler. You Remember that day? Yeah. There was a north wind that came down. We're like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. 21? That's where we reached at the peak. It was the high temp peak of the day. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, we go back and sit down on Twitter and it's like 40 degrees. It's melting everywhere. You know? Yeah. Uh, the reality and the, the presentation of reality was so uh, discordant that it, well, I we don't even we hardly need to comment on it. People, people are doing a great job. You know, they, they notice they just have to self-report what's going on in their area compared yeah. to what's going on they know. It's BS but there's a lot of other people who are still buying it big time. So
1: yeah, well, there's I mean, the, the, there's a couple of things that obviously the it it became such a such an issue, I suppose, or it was you know you know, highlighted to, so, to enough people. Obviously it was broadcast, they've been incessantly talking about global boiling and with the red heat maps all across the past few weeks, or whatever. And obviously a lot of people were getting it, Were getting that information and there was a lot of pushback on, at least on social media and stuff um, about how these were fake, te- fake temperatures. And, you know, I mean, they have, there's enough evidence to show that they have changed their, the colors of their weather maps and the weather forecast to oranges and red, yellows, oranges and red, where beforehand they had greens where it was relatively cool and the yellows, and, you know what I mean, that they've upped the, the, the fear factor, the, the color fear factor. Uh, there's plenty of evidence that several years ago, they, for the same temperatures, they were using not so red graphs, right? Now that's kind of manipulation. I mean, they, would, they, they don't go there, but they would have to admit that that is a manipulation. They would probably... Justified by saying, well, the point is that there's global global warming is happening. There is these heat waves. The planet is warming. Blah 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 blah, blah. And therefore, um, we're justified in highlighting that fact, even though it's not. It's a change, but it's representative of. Uh, it's a, it's a change the way we represented the colors on the on the weather maps previously, but it's justified by the fact that the planet is heating and there's more heat waves, and they also had had to go to the point of, of publishing articles. The BBC for example published this article, um and they did a report as well by one of the with one of the weathermen um denouncing false claims that the heat wave is bogus, or, you know, uh, that have been spreading online. Um the interesting thing about that article though is that they mentioned that um let me see if you just go down to Or Neil Oliver held up as Yeah and his so he says, basically, you know, we don't do lab. ground temperatures; we do we do air temperatures. Um, if you just go down to other claims about high temperatures, uh, the a headline. Um, so petty. Some social media users have attacked BBC weather forecasts, suggesting the reporting doesn't match doesn't match real temperatures. An air temperature of 48.2C was recorded in Yerzu in Sardinia on Monday, the highest temperature in Europe so far this year. BBC Weather well, was one of many news outlets reporting this record, but some social media sh- users suggested the reports were inaccurate. So there's a guy there on Twitter saying that in, it wasn't 48.2, it was actually 41.5, which is, you know, 8, whatever, degrees, 7 degrees lower. And the bbc claims in response to this that the data published by, was published by Sardinia's own regional agrometeorological service confirmed the high temperature report, reported the guy who made that tweet directed us to the italian meteorological Ser- service's website which listed different temperature readings for that day in yerzu um so the bbc reported us being in yerzu but then the italian meteorological service's website said um listed different temperatures for that day in, in year, however, according to the BBC, none of those readings were taken in, taken in yearju itself, but instead in nearby municipalities, with the nearest of those being thirteen miles away so basically, what the BBC is saying here is that within a thirteen mile radius in Sardinia this week, there was according to them or according to one Italian meteorological service um the highest temperature so far in Europe this year of 48.2. But 13 miles away, the temperature was seven degrees cooler. Mm. And of course, if you didn't have a 48.2 and instead you had a uh, 41.7 or whatever it was, um, you wouldn't be able to claim that as a super high temperature, 40 degrees in Sardinia at the end of July normal, you're not going to make a big deal about it. But it seems they were able to find one hotspot. Yeah, and highlight that. In a town. And, I mean, you have to, you'd have to do a lot more studies to see. You'd have to expand that out then around the whole island of Sardinia and see if there were any more of these hotspots and what the overall temperature was. You know, there, Was most of Sardinia on the lower temperature of 41 or was most of it on 48.2? Uh, You know what I mean? So they don't bother with that. They just pick. So there is manipulation in that sense, because, okay, you can assume that that temperature was recorded 48.2. But does that justify, does that mean that, you know, you can't parlay that into the whole island and therefore all of Europe or this region of Europe, which is what they do. When they highlight 48.2 in Sardinia, people think, well, Sardinia, therefore the whole island. And if they say... One in southern Italy, they think all of southern Italy, but are you talking about one small hotspot it's very interesting. Are you talking about one small could it be possibly one small hotspot in the entire southern uh, southern area of the country of Italy? You only found one that was that temperature yeah they don't they don't go into those details so it it obviously is in service to an agenda to highlight to the public. Using manipulative tactics that are not actually potentially reflective of reality of the reality on the ground, using manipulative tactics to convince people that global warming is necessary, and therefore we all need to get behind the u n secretary general and lobby our leaders to and and change the very structure and nature of how we live our lives and how we consume energy and transition to something else and stop eating meat and do with fertilizer change our whole the basis of western civilization that's that's the idea yeah and they're using what is potentially manipulated data to get people to do that. Now, they would, again, they would uh, argue that, well, the science is settled, global warming is happening, it's very dangerous. Uh, if we don't take these actions now, we're going to be in a kind of dust bowl wasteland in many parts of the Northern Hemisphere, and you're going to suffer anyway, so it's better to suffer through the greening of your of your economy and changing the way you live your life, and stop eating meat, and start eating bugs or whatever, because uh, that's less a lesser, the lesser two evils. That's less suffering than you would be subject to if, or when, rather, this global warming reaches, you know, the the, the, the tipping point or whatever it is when everything's apparently just yeah. starts to boil, or the earth yeah. becomes unbreathable, or we all fall over dead. Don't know. Just yeah. dire predictions of yeah. Scary stuff happening in the future. The mechanism for it, how it's actually going to happen, would it actually happen that way? And also, removing CO2 from the atmosphere. I don't know, I haven't talked about that specifically, but obviously, remove it through stop burning fossil fuels. Does that have an impact on plant growth and all that kind of stuff? It's obviously very complicated. And to be honest, I don't, I have never read any thesis on, from the global warmest the climate anthropogenic climate change perspective that addresses all of the valid potential problems with the, with their solution to what they claim is a problem. So the idea that the science is settled, that it makes sense and it should be obvious to everyone, is, is not true. It doesn't seem that the science is settled. It's not very clear. It's obviously not obvious to everyone that, you know, you know w- when you have to push things through fear, that's usually the ploy of tyrants, of, of tyrannical systems, when you try to force major changes on people or force people to change the way they live, live their lives in a way that they, they're not happy with, they don't want to, they wouldn't naturally do. When you try to, when you do that through fear, or you find yourself doing that through fear, it's not a good look and it, it usually doesn't, doesn't work. Um, yeah. and it, it usually suggests that there's, there's something else going on.
0: Yeah, like the way we find out later. Well, actually, those COVID numbers... Yeah. Yeah. You remember how they three years later it became okay suddenly and not a banable offense to make the distinction between well, with or from COVID, you know.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. In the height of it, that's not what you were saying. Mm-hmm. You were saying it no, was a plague. Not only was, was they not all. saying
1: that, but if you said it, you got smeared and banned and censored. Yeah. So um
0: lies, I mean, damn lies
1: and statistics. It's like if people don't People, people have not have had an opportunity over the COVID, the few COVID years there, to get a clue. Doesn't mean that they have to go full, whatever color pill, and become, uh, uh, you know, tin hat conspiracy theorists, whatever. Um, but and see conspiracy and everything. Right. They can. Any Every reasonable person should be able to see that that whole COVID era thing was. Murky, at best. Hmm. Um, They definitely use fear. We've we've talked about that in previous shows where they admitted admitted it themselves. The behavioural scientists working for the government in the UK admitted that they went too far. They used fear and terror. They had a policy
0: they decided on and the people needed a nudge. So they massaged the statistics for the
1: greater good. A fear nudge, a terror nudge. It wasn't just like they needed a nudge, that, no, that word itself is a manipulation, which yes. is a strange coming from behavioral scientists, that they use a word yeah. to describe their, 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 their policies or their, their, what they're working on, that is actually manipulative in yeah. itself. It wasn't a nudge, they it used fear the and terror. Yeah. They terrorized people to conform and to comply with these lockdowns and all that kind of stuff. Um, they admitted that, but also um, it's not just that that's up for the, is, is something that's quite should be quite clear to any person because there's an answer to that which is, well, it was justified. At least a lot of people might think, well, okay, maybe they went a bit far, but at the end of the day, they were trying to do it to protect lives. But then you look at all the data about, like you just said, died with or from COVID, how dangerous was COVID, did it necessitate all that, and did they know that at the time? The whole thing is is obviously, it's mired in, scand- in a scandal that hasn't come to light, basically. It is a scandal, but it hasn't been publicised as, as a scandal, you know, um so much, um not officially. So at the very least any reasonable person, middle of the road, not jumping into one camp or the other, would have to admit that the COVID whole COVID years were there was something not quite right about that. There was nefarious uh, it was a, it was a nefarious business. There was nefarious tactics and, and um uh a, a nefarious agenda at work there. So if you just leave it at that and you're not going to decide how bad it was but that there was something a bit iffy about it, then why would you not take the same approach to this whole global warming, climate change? We need to do something right now, radically change the way we live our lives. It's the same policy. They're trying to radically Upend the way people live their lives, as like they did with COVID. I mean, in, in very dramatic fashion. But now they're 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 trying to do the same thing. They're trying to push through new policies that will do the same thing, but in even more in an even more profound way. Yeah. At least during COVID, all you did, all 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 that happened was you were locked in your house and had to wear a mask and, and couldn't go outside, whatever. But now, and and you know that kind of thing. But now it's like they're going to start telling you what you can and can't eat, what you can and can't spend your money on. That didn't happen. In Covid. That's a bit more fundamental, you know. That's where this is going. It seems. Uh, so you should every uh, reasonably reasonable person, uh, reasonably intelligent person, should, uh, given the experience of Covid, should be somewhat sceptical. Take a, take what they're saying now with a pinch of salt, because they're following the same kind of fear based yeah. tactics. That's why to I'm, force people into a, in, into making decisions or force people to conform uh, to to policies, new policies through fear.
0: Yeah, absolute zero, someone commented. Yeah, it reminds, the net zero thing reminds me of, what was the phrase? Zero COVID. That was it, simply mm. zero COVID, mm-hmm. which Western governments were technically, strategically following for a while against COVID, which is bonkers on the face of it. I could they remember in New Zealand, any iteration at all, a positive case, a case not being with sim- someone with symptoms, but mm-hmm. a positive test mm-hmm. using a PCR that was a bit woolly. Boom, lockdown, everything in that area at least. and Because we, we don't want it to spread. So that was a, a net zero. Well, absolute zero is absolute zero carbon emissions. Again, like just stopping oil. Mm-hmm. You're talking about obliteration. So so. They can't be serious, you think to yourself. But, well, maybe they mean just to get the most out of it that they can and that it would have a marginal effect overall and just mitigate probably. things. In, in their minds, they're, they're rationalizing it like it's, that. It's
1: like, they the, don't, we don't really mean to stop. we have uh, to for, go. But we've got to go ask, full bore. We have to ask for a lot more than we actually expect to get. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to show people on the... <laughs> this is this is the Irish Times, actually, so which is kind of relevant in terms of the... What we are talking about—the colors on the maps—the um, <laughs> so this is July twenty fourth. <clears throat> um, looks like Venus, right? Uh, so it says temperature C at two meters above the Earth's surface. Okay. Um, and <laughs> they give you, you that know, was
0: today was cool here.
1: So the kind of <laughs> aw- it's bright red. You know, there. <laughs> you remember that? Remember the terror alerts? Yellow, orange, yeah. red, like it's. Yeah, you know, um, you know, it's it's kind of like a terror, a weather terror alert, basically. Um, and interestingly, in, in the key, like down below there, um, danger or, or orange, which is potential danger, you know, mm-hmm. in people's minds, subliminally begins at twelve degrees Celsius, yeah, which yeah. is what fifty degrees Fahrenheit or something. Like that? Yeah, um, and then red begins at twenty or. Uh, 20 degrees isn't like red hot. I mean, people are seeing this as heat, right? Heat, right? And they had to go to purple for like purple hot. But obviously, you know, orange, yellow is warm. Yellow's warm. Orange is quite warm. Red is really Oof, like hot. Very uncomfortable. Then you're getting into the deep reds, oh, That's, that's red. And then purple. And then whitish purple. Oh, fuck me. So it's like on that day in Ireland and the UK and northern France, and in fact, on most all all of France, but particularly in Ireland and the UK, it literally was pissing rain and twelve, thirteen degrees. It was fucking freezing.
0: Yeah,
1: and that's the way they represented to the people. Yeah. Um, and in and France, since it was they've, su- they've
0: been fact checking tweets like this, saying "No, no, no, we've never, we're not, we've never changed our weather." Yeah, they have obviously. So you are lying Jesus. Yeah,
1: I mean, well, that's easily <laughs> provable. You can pull them up from from several years ago. So, um, no,
0: yeah. It was incessant, wasn't it, all week long, hammering about record heat temperatures.
1: It's just... It, it, programming, but, really, isn't
0: it? Here's what was happening midweek in Europe, actually, right in the central Europe. So this is... Um, oh, the video's small over, but I think there was a major outbreak of localized storms in especially Switzerland, Austria, northern Italy. So classically, that's, that's central Europe. Mm-hmm. This is... Um, Somewhere in Switzerland, I think near the French border, mental storm. I think people were killed by this one. Um, I saw it on Twitter, but this doesn't generate the headlines. It's the high temps that get the headlines, mm-hmm. not the weird intense storms. mm mm-hmm. There goes the roof. Uh, yeah. Better close the door. Let me save those
1: chairs. Chair left behind. Camper van was doing alright. There goes the camper. And his holiday, right, Oh, something else going past there. Where is this Holland, did you say? Uh, Switzerland. Switzerland, okay. Um. All right, <laughs> that'll do. Uh, but the interesting thing, after the boiling, global boiling announced by Guterres there, that global boiling, the era of global boiling has begun, coincidentally, right on the heels of that, so like two days afterwards, this is what's happening over, as you as you can see in the, in the graph there, over um, pretty much all of continental Europe, most of continental Europe. uh for, for one week so tre is very very cool and anomaly of minus three to minus six degrees celsius lower than the average for this, se- kind of this season and that's for the whole this, week this of is for the coming week for this starting more or less starting today tomorrow today or tomorrow and going for the whole week until the end of, end of the next week <clears throat> so um, that's what you can expect Global, but then I mean, you look at the literature, and it's like, no, of course, global warming is. We changed it from global warming to climate change. It's man-made climate change now, and it's not just no, about but, warming.
0: But they call it warming when it's warm because it's useful. They like to go back to that. Yeah,
1: warm. that was the original. That was the original thing. Because like, you see,
0: in their scenario, that they're that they're they're, the they're bidding you to find plausible. Their bid is, yeah, it's up and down. It's the extreme, but overall, it's warming. First thing. And if we don't do something now, the trajectory is desertification and yes. literally unlivable yeah. climates. Right. We won't be able to breathe the air. Right, and they have like so sidebar articles. How at what heat maximum heat can the human body right. withstand? Right. And so it is survive. all
1: still global warming. Just it's, it's now it's been an
0: eternal century of global warming.
1: But and it, and it's still global warming, even though they've replaced it with climate change, and they did it for PR reasons. Because they realised that
0: they also did because it was getting colder. We were getting colder winters yes. in the northern climate. Yes,
1: but they always have to go back to the idea that it's global warming because the only thing that's going to create their their horrible, <clears throat> you know, dystopian future where the air is unbreathable and the heat is unbearable is warming. Right? If you say, well, what's the what's the predominant effect of man-made human emissions? Right? Is it is it is it warming? No, it's not only warming. It's warming is one part of it. Okay, so you'll have also some cooling? Yes, because climate change involves obviously cooling, uh, colder winters, despite what Al Gore said that we would the Northern Hemisphere wouldn't have any more wind, uh, snow in the winter by 2020. Um, they've changed that now and they've included, tried to make it include all manner of changey events, right? Yeah. But the problem is that cooling, a bit of cooling on top of some warming, doesn't sound so bad. You know, it kind of maybe balances it out a little bit, you know, because, you know, uh, I mean, is there going to be less rainfall or more rainfall? Uh, depends. So what, and then, um, what, about, what about anomalous weather events like hurricanes or, or tornadoes? Yes, that as well. Man-made, uh, human emissions, climate change. Yes, that's going to happen. So, okay, so, which of those things are a dire threat to human civilization? I mean, how bad? What kind of? How bad is a tornado, hurricane, storm situation? Are you talking about like monster storms, like in the day after tomorrow, or are you talking about just more storms, like we just saw in that video? Is that really? Do I need to upend my whole the way I live my life uh-huh. and the way Western society or live, lives and operates just because there would be some more regular storms like that? Or are they going to be super extreme storms that are going to knock down buildings? No, we don't think, we're not sure. We don't think it's going to go that bad. Okay, more rain? Are we talking about torrential rain and flooding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On top of dry, so super hot weather then, major storms falling and causing floods. Okay, we've seen those increase yeah, in the past few years. How bad is that going to get? I mean, I want to know what the future is. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Is it, or is it? Do they always have to fall back on just a baking planet? Because yeah, everybody'll get behind if it's going to be forty degrees everywhere all year. Then yeah, that's pretty bad. We'll do something about that. But you're saying it's not that. In fact, it's that's only one part of it, and maybe only be a minor part of it when you add in all the other all all the aspects of a changing climate. Yeah. So how do they all add up to something that requires me to? You know, it gets very complicated when you add in all those other yeah, things, because yeah, 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 yeah. some of them might tend to offset the others, you know what I mean?
0: What they often talk about as well are tipping points. Mm. That, tipping that, into what, though? And That's it. Into so they've talked about, um, they've been crazy. Greta's infamous now for, for highlighting them, but also Prince Charles and other dignified figures. We must, we must do something now, he's been saying every year, or oh, we will reach the tipping point, the climate say, by year X. Mm. What is what is the tipping point? It's referring to a phase shift. The fear in theory that they have, I'm not sure they feel fear about it, but let's say they do sound hysterical, so I presume they're afraid of something. Their, their fear is that it's going kaflui and it results in a phase shift where you're, you're locked into that bad new climate equilibrium. Which is now, what? they imply that they mean endless desertification perhaps also rising sea levels affecting many, many millions because most of humanity lives close to or on the coast. Mm -hmm. But in the middle of all the hysteria last week, something went around that really caught my attention. It caught media's attention too because it fits into kind of what they're talking about. But they didn't really realize, I think, how it fits in and how it utterly upends their theory. This is the study that was widely reported with terrible headlines about how the AMOC Atlantic meridional ocean current could, quote, collapse Mm. by 2025. So let's look. At first I thought, wait a minute. Does someone actually? No, it can't be. I thought they're reporting something that's actually possible because it's been theorized for a long time but it's been theorized because it would be the tipping point that reverts everything to ice age conditions, the very opposite, the last thing they ever talk about. It was certainly something they haven't talked about since the early 1970s. However, none of the headlines were all screaming, in the English-speaking press anyway. Um, new study shows that by 2025, i.e. the next year or two, the AMOC ocean circulation would collapse because there's too much uh, excessive melting at the poles causing a, um, a d- too much of a differential between fresh water melt mm. and salt water which breaks the, disturbing current. the current right? and I thought wow, well, yeah, yes by 2025 but you're leaving something out actually I was wrong um, Check this is the Daily Mail's. I know it's the Daily Mail they do sensationalism but this is their coverage of it your headline on it actually articulated the scenario that most of the media didn't. It's what you just mentioned a few minutes ago. The real-life day after tomorrow is in the Ice Age movie. The Gulf Stream could collapse at any time from 2025. That's actually a more accurate representation of the studies' claim thanks to climate change. Plunging Europe into a deep freeze. The vast majority of headlines did not point that out. They they left people to to hang on to the assumption that, oh my god, if the Gulf Stream collapses by 2025, then there's no going back. That's the tipping point into permanent, endless baking heat waves, you know? Yeah. So that was that was much better. That's kind of it also clarifies that they didn't say it would collapse by twenty twenty five. They gave a time range. In this nature study, they said the slowdown. It looks to us means that in the next, in any window from 2025 to 2095, so any time this this century, there could be a collapse
1: in. But it's due to climate change, Neil. Man, it's human human emissions.
0: The study didn't actually say that, but but that's what's implied here. Yeah.
1: yeah well, that's interesting because of an article again, one of the many that were pumped out this week. Uh, on, you know, giving uh, on the problem with warming, basically, uh, and it's interesting because the title is "Something Weird Is Going On," and there's a search, in, in the search for answers as the Antarctic sea ice stays at historic lows. So there's at least a little bit of honesty in this in this article. It's quite long, but um, they're saying that they don't know why. Um if you just go down to go down scroll down a little bit, not too far. Um I'll tell you when to stop. Keep going, yeah. Get rid of that. Uh, that right there. or uh, maybe. The tweet. Um, um Hang on. Okay, no, keep going actually. So basically, they're saying the CIS anomaly is more than okay. Uh, a big part of the challenge. Did you go too far? Um. Well, just just search for, M E I E R. Says. Uh, so uh, actually, the next one. <laughs> there must be a couple of Myers says. Uh, okay, so that one. Um, they basically said so, the, uh, an area of the size of, so we're talking about sea ice here, an area of the size of Mexico and the Antarctic mm-hmm. of sea ice has not reformed, which it yes, usually does exactly. winter down there. Right. So Meyer says it's hard to know if the changes are natural or human caused or a mix of both, and says there's some evidence of a similar sudden swing from high levels of sea ice to very low in photographs from the mid 1960s. Right. Uh, a couple paragraphs down. overall the feeling is something big is happening this year and this is probably associated with a wider decline since 2016 so it's only discard, started in 2016 it was fine before that uh, there's one at least one working theory for the loss of sea ice the waters all around the Antarctic are oddly topsy-turvy the upper levels of the ocean are stratified a cooler, a cooler and less salty layer on top and a warmer and denser layer from around 1,500 to 300 meters. So just before the t- current declines, top layer became saltier and mixed with the lower layer, allowing the warmer water to reach the surface and make it harder for ice to form. Right. But again, they don't. They, they're they not, they have no idea why that's happening. So it's uh, the reason yeah. I'm bringing it up is down there on the other side of the, it's, it's the opposite. It's the other side of the, of the globe, basically, compared to what you were just saying about the, 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 the AMOC. In the, in and the and North it, Atlantic, yeah. And the, and the melting of the, the the Arctic ice sheets, whatever, and fresh water coming in and disturbing that, that current. Uh, something similar may be going on down, down below, but they're not saying in the southern hemisphere and the Antarctic that it has anything necessarily to do with human emissions or global warming. But this, a same change or adjustment or... Upending of the normal circulation of ocean currents is happening uh, down there as well.
0: Can you go back to that article? That, the, the, the exact quote from him has been <coughs> phenomenal. Given, you've got people so worked up that they're told that you, you interact with them on social media or you talk to them in real life and they are They they are such headbangers about this. If you Mm -hmm. would all suggest that it's not Mm man-made and that there's nothing to be done Mm -hmm. and that if you don't act now, do something drastic, we're all screwed. This is the scientists they're citing. This is very typical of an actually half-decent, honestly reported article on anything that is actually climate-related. The quote from this expert they're, they're using to make this whole story is, whether this is anthropogenically driven, man-made, and if so, what the driver may be, is still up for
1: debate. No, the science is settled, Neil.
0: No, but they can't be both. You actually go to the details, and there, there's your scientific consensus.
1: Mm, they don't know. Yeah. Who, so it's political. It's political. Obviously, science is being subverted. Science is act, you know, Honest <laughs> science, scientists are being silenced or sidelined or censored. And it's people like Guterres, uh, an uh, po- unpopularly elected, non-popularly elected uh, pencil head, is shouting about a boiling planet and the air being unbreathable because he and others in government, politicians, have a political agenda that is using and subverting science in order to uh, push it forward. And The original
0: IPCC reports in the 90s... Mm-hmm had two statements inside all of them that were later removed by one guy in particular. I'll read them to you. Any claims of positive detection of significant climate change are likely to remain controversial until uncertainties in the total natural variability of the climate system are reduced. That's all the complex work you talked about earlier. There's so many variables. Let's get a full idea of what goes on first before we start making claims. Sensible position to take. The original 1995 draft also said no study to date has positively attributed all or part of observed climate change changes to anthropogenic causes. And the story goes, this, is, this has been uh, documented by a few people, um, climate skeptics, uh, that these statements were removed by one guy in particular, someone called Ben Santer. I don't even think he was a scientist himself. I think he was another pen pusher at the UN. I... It's just...
1: It, it's a political agenda being it's, pushed. And, and, and obviously. It's, I say
0: head back. It, it's like it's, they're screaming it at us and it's activating the those who are falling for this. And yeah. they're screaming at, at each other and then yeah. back at you whenever you point something. this nonstop right. Just banging their head against the wall. It selects, they're selecting
1: specific data to make their co- their case, and that's what they've been doing all week, talking about you know the heat and record temperatures. And as we just mentioned, it's not so simple. And also, I mean, along with record temperatures, they, they've been talking about wildfires, right? Because obviously that goes very well with global warming. Well, what more evidence do you need That I mean, if you, are you, you're so stupid, right? You're just, you're just a plebe, right? You're just one of the great unwashed. You don't really you don't have the brain power to actually understand anything that's going on. Let me put it for you simply. You know, global warming humans do global warming. You know what global warming is? Makes planet hotter. When something gets hot, what happens? Fire. It gets catched on fire. Did you see the fires? Here's some fires. Okay? Do you understand now? Now, fuck off and uh, yeah. pay your taxes. Uh, that's pretty much it. But, so we saw, heard this year, it wasn't really any in France. There was some, I mean, was it Greece?
0: Yeah, there was a fire in road that got major headlines last week. Well, road is like, it's a hot place. Check this Take out. Your life, for God's sake.
1: A little bit more, a little bit of truth in media. Most fires in Greece were started by human hand. The government says. Yeah. Now the BBC doesn't agree with that. Well, this is the Guardian. Yeah. But the BBC and other outlets, CNN, etc., didn't agree with that. Government, whatever, government, shut up, government. You're part of the problem. You're supposed that, that government, what the Greek government, they're burning fossil fuels, aren't they? Look, we, the media, have a responsibility here to inform the public that most of Europe is on fire. Right. In the same way, a couple of months ago, all of France was major French cities were all, um, were all yeah. being burned down, right? France had fallen, right? right because right, of the riots, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, now, all of Europe is on fire. Most of it's burned down. And we at CNN, the BBC, feel responsible to tell you this, even though it's utter horseshit. And in fact, what the Greek government saying that, no, they were, weren't started by any temperatures or, you know, global warming. It was actually people setting those fires. Shut the hell up.
0: Yeah. Get out the program.
1: Uh, but anyway, so... For me... Yeah, 667 blazes. Most of them started by humans.
0: You remember how during COVID... But you won't hear that. Well, anyway. You know, there's so much noise and it depended on how you parse the data during the pandemic. You know, you could shape it. If you looked at this using um, this set of numbers, it could look really bad and your graphs could look really pronounced and so on. And over here, there could be a counter-argument and it often let people just... They just gave up and they just went with the flow, you know. So you cut to the chase, For COVID, that meant getting a handle on overall mortality rates. That was one of the first things we did. you remember? Mm -hmm. January, February 2020. Are they up or are they down? I don't care what they died from. Are people dying more than before overall? And by how much? For climate change, that means the deaths attributed to natural disasters, whether they're influenced by mankind or not. doesn't matter. Whatever. Wildfires, floods, heat, drought, snowstorms, if they include that in climate change. Whatever. They should be way up. Especially if over this warming period of the latter half of the 20th century plus the early quarter of the 21st century, especially as the population of the earth in this time has gone, remember, from this to that 8 billion. There should be pretty, there should be at least a bit of a hockey stick. Mm -hmm. The kind of follows population, if not sharper than population growth. Climate deaths ought to be up. Let's have a look. How are they doing? This is from data gathered by, I know he's a climate skeptic, but he is a scientist, Bjorn Lomberg. This is his chart of climate deaths in the last century. Oh, shit. Not only, it, it, oh, oh, hang on, is it reversed? Did you invert that image? No, that's, no, it's going down. We have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Somebody needs to hide
1: that decline. Remember,
0: during that time, especially from 1945 after the post-World War II boom, the population quadrupled. Yeah. But climate deaths plummeted. Why? Those who died from natural disasters.
1: Why? Because I haven't been as many. Or people are just adapt. Uh, maybe it's technology. Not. Maybe maybe it's natural. There se- is
0: a man-made helpful factor. Natural selection. Human causes helped maybe mitigate.
1: People have adapted. Natural selection has happened quite quickly. In, the, in but in, in now the, in they want days. us
0: to reject technology, working functioning things, and switch instead for unreliable things. Like the wind may not blow, but your house is going to be powered by a solar or f- wind farm.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, that's more likely to cause.
1: There's been less, death by dr- a hole or less droughts power. and less storms, which means there's less hot days. Therefore, less sunny days and less windy days, including storms, which means that we shouldn't be used, trying to rely on solar panels and uh, solar panels and wind farms. Uh, like last year in the UK, the the wind didn't blow enough to provide enough energy for uh, the UK and they had to borrow it from France. Um, But anyway, Neil, the point is, see all of your, like, doing doing your own research. Didn't you learn that from COVID, about doing your own research, that it was a really bad idea? You just get (laughs) get mired in all sorts of confusion and disinformation, and God love you. I mean, you just don't have the wherewithal or the mental power to figure these things out, and you just confuse yourself. And you just stress yourself out. You're far better just listening to people like the Mayor of London. Oh, yeah. Because he's one of the global leaders. Well, yeah. he's a kind of deputy global leader. Uh, he says that everything we hold dear depends on a world that we can live in. From the shores of the Mediterranean to the Canadian Rockies, the earth is burning. And I mean that literally.
0: Well, I presume he does.
1: <laughs> and I mean all of it. That means. Well, no, just the Western part of it. From <laughs> Israel, all the way Northwest, across all of Europe, well, across the Atlantic, and across all of America, and stops there, and Canada, over to the Rockies, everything is on fire. And our global leaders must keep to the promises they have made to secure the future of our planet against the climate crisis. It's not about global warming, it's not about climate change. It's a climate crisis, yeah. and it's bilin. <laughs> that's all you need to know if you believe and what I want you Neil to do
0: is just to believe
1: no well yes more or less just stop stop interfering <laughs> Jesus so tedious um, the bottom line is I'll stick the aliens on you
0: bottom line it's all for the greater reset here's Klaus Fob's daughter recently Fabi, Yeah. He has a family. Can you imagine? Jesus Christ. How did that happen? Can you imagine, Can you imagine his wife? Fab. Who's his oh, wife? I
1: hope she doesn't speak like him. Oh, my God. Is so she I'll just listen. like a female version of him? Well, if she's got hair. What does she say? Do we have to listen to her? Yeah, Gosh. go on. Go on.
0: This crisis has shown us that, first of all, things can shift very rapidly when we put our minds to it and when we feel the immediate emergency to our livelihoods. And second, that um, clearly the system, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, that we had before is not sustainable. So I see it as a tremendous opportunity to really to Make have money. this great reset and to use this huge flows you know, of money to use the increased levers that policymakers have today in a way that was not possible before to create a change that is not incremental, but that we can look back and we can say this is the moment where we really started to position you know, nature at the core of the economy.
1: I have no fucking idea what she just said. I know. It's
0: it's psycho babble.
1: It's, it's all I heard at the beginning was that if you feel that uh, the emergency is, is 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 close or something, it, it, so just if you feel it, then and if you know after reading like multiple mainstream media news articles about um, about how the world is burning and boiling and everything is on fire, everything is on fire, and then after reading those, if you have a feeling that there's an emergency, then you should act on that. Yeah. Right, that's an, inter- that's an interesting approach for sure. Not one I would necessarily adopt or promote, but yeah. Can we play um,
0: the clip of John Kerry being grilled in Congress? Did you see that it one about his ha- private jet? If it makes you happy. <laughs> um, this is great pushback. So this is, <clears throat> this is John Kerry back home from his one of his jaunts in Europe. Uh, from taking two weeks ago. He's asking Congress about his plane. So uh, I just don't agree with your facts which began with the presentation of one of the most outrageously persistent lies that I hear, which is this private jet. We don't own a private jet. I don't own a private jet. I personally have never owned a private jet. And obviously it's pretty stupid to talk about coming in a private jet from the State Department, up here. Just honestly, if that's where you want to go, go there. A few moments later. You uh, just testified under oath that you never owned a private jet. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to enter into the record uh, article
1: here from February 15th of 2023. The John Kerry family private jet was sold shortly after accusations of climate hypocrisy. Uh, Mr. Secretary, do you stand by that testimony that you've never
0: owned or... I personally, your family,
1: I your family, personally, yes. My wife owned a plane. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, my wife owned a plane, but I never used it.
0: That's that, that's how like
1: that's lying. That's like, Imagine
0: me able to lie like that. It's clearly implied that you know. Of course you course and your oh, your wife? Oh, oh, me? No, no, my wife does though. Yeah. He didn't say my wife.
1: I did not have sex with that woman. Um, um, yeah. Uh,
0: something. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. If this is with all these reports, you, you don't. You don't have something that you can hang on to compare with. So, in, in the last one you showed about the. Uh, Antarctic sea ice. You know, you could probably find corresponding data that says, no, 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 that's their chart where they show that it's a record low. Like, who knows, you know? Well, here's another one. They're currently reporting uh, that crop harvests are way down in Europe this year. The headlines say it's because they're decimated by the heat waves, right? On the face of it, well, that's plausible. It would fit. Crop yields down, Record-breaking July was the hottest month in 120,000 years, whatever. But then, then there's an article that just flies in the face of that. Like, unless your Russia somehow isn't party to any of this at all, they've had another having the last five years year-on-year record harvests, mm. record crop yields. Mm. Yeah, uh, they're having another one this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not over yet, obviously, but they're on track to beat all their previous records. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but is that the climate or is that feckless governance?
1: Feckless I, government producing uh, producing a record, record crop yield. You no, know, a record low,
0: well, a downturn in yields. Who did? Europe. But not Russia. Not Russia. You know, how do you tease out, see how difficult it is to tease out the man-made from the objectively, this is what's going on over the planet in general picture. Mm. You know, um, if, if one place can produce a different result, then you don't have a, a, mm. a standard to compare things with, you know. Mm-hmm. Personally, I say, look, let them have their high temperature record, whatever. The bit that is bogus is where they're telling you straight to your face, this is Definitely man made, and you are to blame. And Mm -hmm. if you do not do something about it now, we will punish you. In fact, we're going to make you do something about it.
1: We'll take action. That will be
0: your punishment. They don't say punishment, they say that will be your way of paying for the future. Mm -hmm. It'll be your current, your updated version of being a good Christian. We're going to make you do this. So, that's the bit that's unprovable. We just saw, when you look inside an actual detailed article on one of the specific claims, Antarctic sea ice going down, the scientists, their citing says, well, hang on, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And yet they've converted that we don't know into a currency.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they're hammering people with it every day, you know. they They want ordinary people to be fighting over this, about how hot it is. Rather than pushing back on this non-stop, um, totally false position that we know for certain that it's man-made and mm-hmm. that it's your fault. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Yeah. Anyway, that's the weather. That's the weather forecast. Um, it's kind of a long weather forecast, but there you go. Um,
0: oh, jeez, everyone's talking about weather, you know. else
1: well, what's going on? Yeah. We'll be talking about freezing this, this winter, probably. Uh, freezing... Record cold temperatures, and it'll be blamed on human CO2 emissions. Um, What about them aliens then? What about them? (laughs)
0: Okay, that didn't work.
1: (laughs) Let's see them aliens. Let's see them aliens. Have you perfected your Naruto run? I'm going to hit Area 51 again this time, but for real. Um, Yeah, I don't know. That's such a big topic.
0: I know, but you know we should mention that the congressional hearings with going Rush. on
1: yeah.
0: is it is it done for now,
1: probably was it three yeah, hour one, two days ago, all the things to do uh, you know Grush you don't, and others you know it 's funny to watch people on social media respond to it you know skeptics and it's going to be a hard one for people to wrap their head around, and it's going to it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a while for the acclimatization process to to really take hold, uh, and there will be a acclimatization process. It seems that it started right because it's bizarre. Like you know, you have this. Usually, when there's a congressional testimony of a whistleblower who is not under any suspicion, who seems to be who he says he is, and makes these claims, when people watch that and Congress, people, members of Congress ask the person questions and and people generally I suppose, and when there's no follow-up or no pushback necessarily the person isn't dragged over the coals and exposed to be a liar, he's just, they take his testimony as legitimate on other topics, most people watching that would would conclude that yeah, there's probably something there, right this guy doesn't seem to be a liar he's not being Accused of being a liar, um, so you know the claims he's making on whatever topic or have some weight to them. Maybe there is more to come out or whatever, but the the basis of it is probably there is some substance to it. So, is it, does that apply to this one? The fact that there was a three-hour congressional testimony, one not the first in, in recent weeks, where uh, whistleblower is saying that yes, you know, the, the government organization I worked for has in its possession alien spacecraft and actual alien non-human entities or bodies, extraterrestrial biological entities, uh, bodies that these were studied, et etc et cetera. And Congress, members of Congress go, okay, all right, thanks for your testimony. Uh, can you send me some more documents after? Sure, I'll do that in a closed meeting, tell you a bit more, whatever. All right, moving on. Does that mean that aliens are real or do we just go, that was interesting? I mean, I know,
0: I know. It, it, didn't get like, the, it didn't get the response it deserved. Well, the media or the didn't appropriate really, the response. The media
1: didn't really care about it, didn't talk about it, so it doesn't really reach a lot of people, I suppose. But anybody listen to it, what, what's your conclusion? That that guy's a liar? Or he's telling the truth? Or is it somewhere in the middle? And if so, does that mean there's kind of aliens? Like, it's partly true, so there's partly aliens... Part spacecraft. I mean, can you have half? A, yeah. Can you have half an alien disclosure, or is it, does, does it does have to be all or nothing? I think that's maybe the problem is that it can't be somewhere in the middle. It has to be one of that. Either, we're either alone in the universe. There's no such thing as aliens or alien spacecraft or extraterrestrials. That's that's this the stuff of you know, conspiracy theorists of, uh-huh. of yesteryear, and that's been firmly more or less put to bed. Sure. There's a Fermi paradox and stuff, and why are we alone in the universe, and blah, blah, and if there were aliens, why haven't they contacted us, and blah, blah, blah. Science has thought about this, haven't come up with any serious answers. There's no evidence for it, so they don't exist. But then some guy says, I work for the government, and they do. And you go, and Congress hears it, and you go, okay, he's, he's, where's his tinfoil hat? Should he not have been wearing no, a tinfoil well, hat, that no, guy? No, they
0: didn't treat him like that.
1: Though. Nobody should have been. No, uh, but that's the point.
0: No, that's what was new. No, but if I'm going
1: to draw a conclusion. That guy either has to be a tinfoil hat wearer or he has to be true. He has to be telling the truth. Mm. I can't see how there can be some yeah. version of what he's saying that's true. It, it was like an alien spacecraft, but it, I don't even have the words. It was half yeah. alien? Yeah, yeah. Quarter alien?
0: Yeah. Well, you can see the way they hedge their bets with um, them. <laughs> they're telling you that... Um, There's something going on, like John Kirby. We're not saying what it is, but we're also not saying what it's not. (laughs) Like, shut up, Kirby.
1: Yeah, thanks for that. Are you saying
0: there's something to this or not? Are you giving it credence at all or not? Because you used to say little green men and mock people. Hmm. That was the the one time previous to this was in 1968 when there were congressional hearings. And definitely the take home media message from Congress was there's nothing to this, it's bunk. Laugh at them. Well, that's that's opaque. That has changed. This week was not treated like that. There's been a formal response from the Pentagon.
1: Exactly. Here it is. Put it up there. Um, This is from, this is the AARO director, uh, Dr. Kirkpatrick. And AARO is the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, which is part of the uh, Department of Defense, i.e. the Pentagon. And he, this this director of that office, which is, he works for the Department of Defense. He's a high level, you know, employee of the Department of Defense and the the Pentagon, Um, and he, as the director of this office of the Pentagon, dealing with all-domain anomaly research, all-domain anomaly resolution office, i.e. any anomalies in all domains... (laughs) Uh, But not really, it's all highly
0: compartmentalised. Right, but But he's dealing specifically about
1: UFOs, UAPs, right? That's what he would be dealing with. Uh, And he responded in a a published letter hearing about uh, about these hearings that we just talked about with Krush and these whistleblowers who are saying that aliens and aircraft exist. And he responded to it and said basically, blah, blah, blah. He's a bit annoyed about how... AAR, his office came under some suspicion because they were hiding things and he's saying that's not true, blah, blah. The main thing is the last paragraph. And he says, finally, to be clear, AARO has yet to find any credible evidence to support the allegations of any reverse engineering program for non-human technology. Also, to be clear, none of the whistleblowers from yesterday's hearing ever worked for AARO or was ever a representative of to aaro contrary to statements made in testimony and in the media. <clears throat> so there you go. If you don't want to believe, if you want to, an, uh, yeah. and this is an answering my question, Yeah. yeah. if you they're were watching the congressional testimony, if you were watching the congressional testimony and you were disturbed by it because you saw a guy claiming that aliens existed and Congress members of Congress listening to him and taking him seriously, well, here's your answer. The Pentagon has come to your rescue. If that disturbed yeah. you, then this is the answer. The Pentagon has said but i read it again. No, no, no. We got it. No credible evidence to support those kind of allegations. Neil. Therefore, you can go back to bed and sleep peacefully at night because you're not going to be abducted <coughs> by aliens <coughs> because they don't exist. <coughs> okay? But, and enjoy it while it lasts, because there's going to be more. Yeah. There'll really be more of this nonsense. The and by and the nonsense, drawing. I mean, you know, the... Yes, no, no maybe, yes, maybe no. not. Trip, trip not disclosure. saying there is, not saying there isn't. And what the outcome will be, well, you just have to wait and see. Uh, but don't be too sure that you won't be abducted in the meantime. Hedge your bets, Neil. It makes sense to hedge your bets because you can't be absolutely sure. So make sure you sleep in your tinfoil duvet. <laughs> <laughs> your tinfoil line duvet. Um so where do you come down on
0: this issue? Which one do you believe? Narrative A or narrative B? Come on, Joe. Come
1: believe on. I don't believe anything.
0: Ah that's just such a cop out. Yeah. I you just
1: I, I I would be more a Do we direc- want
0: Joe to say what he believes?
1: I would be more of a direct action kind of person. I would be I've been practicing my Naruto run and I would be for direct action at Area fifty one. If we could get enough people, if they, like the last time they, they tried it there a couple of years ago, they were LARPers. But if somebody took it seriously, I would join them if it was a serious thing. And I would be doing the Naruto run through the gates of, uh, or over the gates of um, Area 51, and I'd be going to, I'd be, let's see them aliens. like I'd be straight in there. I, so like I said, I don't believe. I, I want to know, like 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 Mulder, you know. Um, so I'd be straight into one of the hangars and getting my hands on the aliens, you know. Yeah. Testing out, the, yeah. testing out the aircraft, that kind of thing. And only then would, get an answer out of them. Only then would I give you an answer. People okay. tell you yes or no. So, so it, until
0: then... It's not real unless you can see it. And
1: until I get my hands <laughs> around a scrawny alien's neck, I won't be... I won't be a, <clears throat> won't be a on that. Anyway... Um, Such a cop, out. I know, yeah. We'll see, just wait and see. Okay. Um, what about them Russians, though? Mental. They're like aliens. You see?
0: Thinking.
1: Yeah. Talking about aliens. What about them Russians? They may as well be aliens. Like, they're was, just so the not ideological, being. ideologically aligned. Like, I mean, you know that that that's the litmus test for for whether you're human or alien is whether you're ideologically aligned with Western values or not. And the Russians are definitely alien in that respect. You know? Niger, make sure you get, make sure you say this right now. This that country in um, Niger, se- Central Africa. Oh my god, Niger! Look, I could have, I could have said worse. Right, I'm going with Niger. <laughs> <laughs> I could have, I could have got this fucking banned off this show band off YouTube if I got it wrong. Like, um, what's up, my Niger? So, um,
0: <laughs> yeah, there was a coup there this week.
1: Yeah, one of a few, and all.
0: All a few going back to the last year. There was n- a coup in Burkina Faso, there was one in Mali. Mali, Chad. Um all of which implicate implicate Wagner. Are associated with Wagner, of course, Ukraine, Russia. Um the there's a statement put out by the French on this.
1: Yeah, no problem. doubt in Niger. No doubt. In Niger. Let's see what they have to say. How do you say it? Niger? N- Niger. Niger. <laughs> that sounds. I think it's clo- a it's a francophone country. It sounds closer to the, the N word than.
0: From AFP, France warns will France. That's not good English. Oh well. Anyway, France, France, warns, France warns it will retaliate if its interests are are attacked in Nigeria. Niger. Uh, very short piece. I presume that's all they have to say on it. But is, check out the wording. Should anyone attack French nationals the army diplomats and French interests I wonder what they are they will see France respond in an immediate and intractable manner intractable the French president's office said adding that French president Emmanuel Macron will could, personally oversee will not tolerate any attack against France and its interests but what does he mean what's that got to do with the military coup you wonder what does he, well,
1: what does he mean by not tolerate like he personally will not tolerate he just get very angry and like throw a tantrum it hold his hold his breath until it goes blue in the Elysée.
0: I might do what they did in twenty twelve and send in send in the, the uh, Grande Armée. Um, what are French interests in Niger? Niger, you might wonder. Let's have a look. Um, and why would a coup there be so upsetting to them? This is from earth dot org. Um, do a search for uranium
1: mining? Well, the answer's in the (laughs) top. For 40 years, French firms have been extracting uranium ore in the heart of... Yeah, but let's see
0: how how much of an interest. Uranium mining in Niger only contributes around 5% to the national gross domestic product of Niger. (coughs) Over 50% of the uranium ore extracted from Niger is used for fueling French nuclear power plants. Mm-hmm. This is where a third of all uranium for France's reactors come from. Mm-hmm. Three out of four light bulbs in France are illuminated through Nigerian Nigerienne uranium. Many don't even know that the impoverished mining towns of Nigeria are keeping the lights on in France. But the situation there is just the reverse – where only 10 to 20% of people in the urban areas, never mind the rural, the urban areas have access to electricity, while only 2% in rural areas. Mm -hmm. That's just... On the face of it, that's just criminal. I mean, I know I'm a beneficiary of that status quo because, you know, Mm -hmm. here we are with the lights on in France, but that's obviously crazy. And that's obviously a legacy of colonial history. Um, mm-hmm. That's not the only interest. Niger is one of about 10 or 12 countries in sub-Saharan and Western Africa that uses a currency called they changed it. It used to be called the colonial franc. Mm. Literally, the colonial
1: <laughs> script. Not a good look.
0: It's pegged to the euro now. It used to be pegged to the French franc. It's basically Currency completely controlled by the European Central Bank. They have to deposit their foreign exchange reserves in Europe, the governments in those countries. Obviously, this is a legacy, like I said, of colonial history. So, in those countries, the 12 or so that are use the franc, there have been military coups in just the last six months with mass protests in support of, and they're all waving Russian flags. And they're specifically saying, we want to break free from France, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So, coincidentally or not, this comes the same week that Russia held its second Russia-Africa summit Mm -hmm. in Moscow, in which something like 17 heads of state from Africa and representatives of other countries met with Putin for like a two-day summit. In which Putin promised them aid in spite of Western efforts to block him from doing so. Because the whole grain deal mm-hmm. plus fertilizer, Russian shipments that are being held up in European ports, that's meant to go to Africa. He just said, all right, then just keep it. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't just say, all right. He said, You're he said, quote, your European leaders are amoral and irrational. Mm-hmm. He said this. And the Africans who were present agreed with him. He promised to um, fulfill all the orders basically for free, gratis, um, despite the fact that Russia won't well, be paying the money for it. Free shipping. Okay, they still have to pay in kind. No, but because that's, that's the
1: point. I mean, okay, European countries have basically looted and pillaged Africa for the last 100, well, 200, you can go back longer, uh, years Um, in the way that you described, where they they live high on the hog at the expense of African countries, uh, and the only thing they get in return is, now and again, they give them aid, right, which comes with all sorts of strings attached, right? Handouts. Handouts are no good, right? Russia, both Russia and China, China's policy towards Africa is business, trade, proper trade, as in, do you have stuff that we want to buy, and and, um, we have stuff that you want to buy. We trade, basically, and it's mutually beneficial, and we raise up, you know, both for economies' benefit. That's not, that hasn't been the approach of the West at all. It's been looting and pillaging. Um, and that's well documented. It's not... Nobody, nobody in any sense, disagrees with that. Disagrees with that. Um, Russia, both Russia and China, China for a longer period of time, but Russia now more directly have been, and this is where Wagner comes in, right? Wagner as a kind of part, uh, private military company there to, you know, secure the presidency... Of uh, well, it secure provides particular, particular security governments for
0: because, yeah, the government Right,
1: because that that coup, quote-unquote coup, that happened in, in Niger uh, this week would not have happened without Wagner being there. Yeah. Because the West's approach to maintaining their colonial kind of death grip on Africa has been to, if when and if necessary, from uh, use and control and um, exploit, armed, fund and train... Local paramilitary groups, or even imported paramilitary groups, to overthrow governments that they didn't like, who wanted to become more independent and do business in in, in the way that any country should be able to do business. But uh, they've used um, violence and and jihadi groups, etc., to destabilize and overthrow and th- or, or generally threaten governments in African countries to stay on on the kind of neo-colonial or colonial kind of mindset or bandwagon, right, to, to, to stay in, in, on, on that theme. Any of them that tried to, definitively tried to kind of like up- upend it, found themselves couped by or attacked by jihadi hordes funded armed, trained by the West. Yeah. So in order for Russia to do business the way it wants to do business in Africa and along with China, they need to have um, a military capability in the country in order to protect the governments that are willing to do business in a mutually profitable way uh, with Russia and with, with, with all the countries in the world um, and to prevent Western neocolonial, neo-colonial kind of de- destabilisation efforts through jihadi groups and other private military companies. So um, that's what Wagner's doing. And of course he's coming in for all sorts of bad press because that's what he's doing and that's what they're doing and they're being accused of, you know, they're being accused of doing what the West has done repeatedly over the past yeah. hundred years in African countries but they're doing it for a different reason which is and, and African leaders appear to be happy with that um, with that status with, with that uh, state of affairs basically that they, they see what the point of uh, for example Russian inf- uh, influence and presence in the country in the form of Wagner um, they see what the goal is and that it's, a ben- it's beneficial for the country so they're willing to get behind it beforehand they were only get they're, they're only complying with Western dictates under duress. A lot of them, yeah. um, And that's I mean that was seen by like this Russia, Russian what was it called Russian African
0: Russia Africa summit. summit
1: Um One example is, um, by the way, on the uranium thing. I just wanted to mention France getting all its uranium for nuclear power plants and from from Niger while 80% of the country is having no electricity. Yeah. And, uh, and it's the second poorest country in the world. That's crazy. That's, it's that's, that's the benefit so of their familiar. trade, with, yeah. of them supplying yeah. uh, France with, uh, with uranium. Um, I mean, it's not the only reason. I'm not boiling it down to just uranium, but it's one example of the Western approach to African economies. It's to keep them, it's to keep them subservient, poor, and compliant because gone. they want the resources. You,
0: you have something. I have a quote from a guy who was there in attendance and he gave other examples.
1: Only, yeah, well, the only other thing, one point of interest, interesting point about uh, uranium is that the country that supplies almost 50% of the world's uranium, produces it, 50% of the world's uranium is Kazakhstan. Now, technically, France could get its uranium from Kazakhstan, but would we'll have to do it on, you know, paying for it with uh, at the going rate, basically, right? Yeah. Um, but then Kazakhstan is in Russia's sphere of influence, which yeah. means geopolitically that's not a good idea, which is why France wants to... Of course, France wants stuff for free, right? They're used to getting stuff for free, so like most Western countries, so they want to stick with that. But yeah. yeah.
0: Here's, here's a, a detailed explanation <coughs> of how Western trade in Africa works from someone who spoke at this summit in Moscow. Um, this is from Uganda's president, at the round table with Putin, he, as you as you listen to this, he is basically re, um, reiterating an African example of exactly what Putin was saying in his speeches all through last year when he explained how Western, mm-hmm. in quotes, fair trade works vis-a-vis exploiting Russia for its natural resources, mm-hmm. robbing all the value added. That's the key part in this here he is. Um, one facet of today's neocolonialism was Afro- Africa being confined to producing only raw materials, crops like coffee and minerals. I can give you an example. The global business for coffee is worth $460 billion. That is the value of the coffee business. But of those 460 billions, the coffee producing countries of the world, namely African ones, not only, but there's a lot of coffee produced in Africa. Would share only twenty five billion, and Africa of all those coffee producing countries shares only two point four billion out of the total four hundred and sixty. Right. The issue is the biggest stunting factor as to why African economies are stunted. They do not grow because all the value is taken by other people. Germany earns more from coffee than the whole of Africa, six point eight five billion dollars, while Africa earns only two and a half billion. This is the big scandal. So what I want to propose to Russia and China is to discourage as a policy the importing of raw materials from Africa, to work instead with with Africans to add value at source. This would, within a very short time, transform the economies of Africa from low- and mid-income to high- and middle-income countries. Mm -hmm. He gives an example of how that's been successful in in Uganda maybe and that's
1: that's his comments at the summit of the Russian yeah that's him there yeah well there's and
0: multiply that out chocolate cocoa yeah coffee minerals he meant diamonds Congo uh, gold silver yeah oil gas Algeria
1: um, and of course uranium Mm. So, uh, somebody in the chat there said that meanwhile in Mali, a country once c- occupied by France, doesn't hold en- doesn't hold any gold reserves in its banks, despite having a staggering eight hundred eight hundred and sixty gold mines and an annual production of fifty tons.
0: Yeah, because it's all in French vaults.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, just to throw up. This is this is the era. so there's several obviously several several different African countries at this Russia Africa summit this week. That was one of the Ugandan president made that point. Was they were all they're all on song basically they totally. they and they're using
0: the, the the framing the model Putin articulated last yeah. year that's why they love him that's why Lavrov gets celebrated but when the thing he goes is it over all there. makes
1: sense to them they're, they're like
0: thank you we have a they've exactly seen. what's going on that's what's yeah, happening. and
1: they've seen, but they they've they know the way the west has acted and the West's attitude towards the rest of the world the golden billions attitude towards the other 7 billion they they've they've seen it for for decades most of these uh, african Leaders in African countries. You know, the only ones who aren't on board with it are the ones who are just, you know, quislings and have been paid off by the West. You know, yeah. willing to sell their souls. This, this is on the Kremlin website, and it's from the the president of Eritrea. Uh, uh, Last uh, that site won't load for me for some reason. Why not? I oh. don't know. <clears throat> it just says this site can't be reached.
0: Kremlin. Come on, Joe. Jeez. I that's got, got can't Kremlin blocker. Kremlin.
1: I have it up here. Um, he basically says... I've seen it on Twitter. I'll look for it. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, it's just his remarks, you know, they're really interesting because it goes beyond just economics and stuff like that, you know. He says... Uh, <clears throat> he, said, he starts off pretty much from the get-go. He says, when people talk about Russia and Ukraine, I say there is no Russia-Ukraine war at all. There is no Russia-Ukraine conflict. This is a war that was declared by NATO on Russia. The war declared by NATO on Russia is not only against Russia. Its aim is to dominate the whole world. This is an agenda that developed after the end of the Cold War. They came up with a fantasy about containing Russia that challenges them technologically, economically, socially and culturally. They have to contain everybody. This is a defunct ideology. I say Russia did not prepare to face this declared war, even though Russia was aware of the dynamics of what was going on. NATO is defunct. NATO does not exist. NATO is in intensive care. The EU does not exist. The EU is in ten- is in intensive care. 30 years ago, when they decided to contain Russia, they felt that it was a major threat for them. Uh, so he says, now we need to look at the narrative thread. This is not a war between Russia and Ukraine. This is a declared war against Russia because Russia was a major threat to them. Okay, So we keep re- reiterating that point. Uh, this is a war declared on Russia by a war... To achieve hegemony in the last thirty years, I have seen the details of the mechanism of this declared war. The last, of, this last event is the final phase to me. It will end sometime. NATO will not get out of intensive care. The EU will not get out of intensive care. These systems are crumbling. Uh, so he talks about plan for the future. Uh, we need a new financial architecture globally, yeah. one that is not controlled by the euro, the dollar, or other currencies. Yeah, and uh, he complains
0: about how they're printing money and yeah. dumping it. And extract what they can from Talking
1: about China and their calculations toward China that have proved to be wrong, they've failed, they probably have technology. The the Chinese can only copy. He talks about Eritrea. This time Eritrea is being contained by them. We are being punished with their sanctions all the time. We have to be punished because we are not bowing to their conditionalities. We are a very small threat. We are not even a threat to them, but they have to contain us. Sanctions, 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 conflict here, conflict there. He says we need to strategize, and I say Russia will have to lead this strategy. Russia will have to design a plan on facing this declared war. Not only on Russia, but this is a global war. Everybody should come and join Russia in this strategy. The sooner the better. Uh,
0: that is why they want you to hate Russia, because it gives the platform and the encouragement moral and security wise for the poor billions yeah. to speak up and to act in their best interest you know coming back to it then who is the, who are the aliens? Is it the Russians mm. or is it the Americans
1: and the europeans who are the who are the least human? Yeah, well, they're the aliens and the least human these days are. Yeah. Yeah. Hold up in the West.
0: Um, Isn't it amazing how, like, the, 19, the Cold War, in the Cold War, this is basically what happened. Most of the newly freed post colonial countries in Africa and elsewhere mm-hmm. quickly or explicitly went. "Quote unquote," communists, or quickly align themselves with Moscow, and or Beijing, mostly mm-hmm. with Moscow, the Soviet Union, right? You know, um, ideologically, in that era, hundred, eighty less years ago, you know, and I don't know if it's that we come full circle, or if this, it was always the case, but the the ideological alignment is there. S- still or again, I'm not sure which, and as, as strong as it was then, mm-hmm. so it was never the communism per se that bound their fates and their view of the world together. Mm-hmm. It was it was something else. It was to do with real things, you know, yeah. that affect real people. It wasn't you know implement Marxist doctrine per se. It was. What can we do to get more freedom, our, our fair share of the pie? To freaking modernize. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no electricity in the country that supplies. Yeah. The top one of the top Western European countries is power generation, for which it powers all its industry, all its exports, all the lights on the streets, its swimming pools, its That's facilities. Sh- shameful, yeah. Since since forever. It's so shameful. It's, you know, it's,
1: it's inhuman. But don't worry, Russia's going to remake African nations in its own image. (laughs) Uh, Kind of, in a certain sense. I mean, part of it's Wagner and having the, the military presence there to make sure that the West can't coup leaders that they don't like in Africa anymore. But, you know, this article from the BBC, Wagner-backed uh, Central African Republic, public leader, asks voters to abolish term limits. <laughs> so Putin's like, okay, so we need some Russian soldiers in there, in your country, to protect you, and we also need you, Mr. President, who we very much like to be president for the next 20 years. Go. <clears throat> Just like me. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Q, Q,
0: which Q tees up Western,
1: you know? Freak, freak
0: out, freak out! Oh my god! You can
1: freak out all the Anti- want. Anti-democracy, freak out! I just I encourage them to freak out more because it's good, it's funny. Yeah. So, have you got anything else Neil, to regale me with and people who are listening? Any more pearls, pearls of wisdom?
0: Dumb. <clears throat> the aliens. Yeah. Kind of. We've deferred it. Aliens are done. Joe. We've done the, the Just weather ask me every week. Weather Mania. Um yeah, U crops. Drone strikes in Moscow this morning. Um Yeah, scary, but kind of inconsequential. It's it's pretty regular now, once mm-hmm. a week now that they attempt to buy something or a group of things into Moscow. The versions claim that they they get them all, although one or two will still fall and hit something, and it did. It uh, at least it wasn't the, it wasn't a residential building; it was an office block, I think. Um, again, tying in here's something that ties in the that bridges the old Cold War with the current um, growing coalition of the world's poor against hegemony, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, Shoigu's visit to Pyongyang
1: mm-hmm. in
0: North Korea. Um, <laughs> I love the way he arrives complete with the full Soviet-style uniform with the big hat, you know, because then when he was shaking the guy's hand on the tarmac, his maybe his opposite number, Right. he also looked in a similar suit with the big Soviet-style hat, you know, Cold Warrior era military fatigue. And it was like you know, flash from the past, you know, right. it's like going back a hundred years. Because remember, the, oh, what well, he was there for, he was there to commemorate the 70th anniversary of the the, the ceasefire, the ending, in quotes, because it's never really officially ended, of the Korean War, which was really, of course, a giant proxy war of yeah. its time, a bit like Ukraine today. Right. Um. So Shoigu goes to Pyongyang and... Uh, yeah, they had a great old ceremony. I it was worth noting because I don't think there's been a Russian official rep there since well, since since Soviet times. Because mm-hmm. I think whatever about in the nineties under Putin, they've taken a kind of a a neutral, let's wait and see approach with North Korea. They didn't want to be seen to be too closely because. Putin was always looking west and looking mm-hmm. to rope in Western partners and build business and peaceful stability ties with the West. That obviously went tits up because the West went mental. Um, and now they're like, well, fuck it. We're going back to our old allies, those who actually trust us. And so you get these kind of optics of the Russian defense minister in North Korea. You can go ahead and play that when you can. Maybe it, There might be some mad music to so We might have to turn it down. You don't I mean about the uniform. Wow, it's better. One of the most sanctioned countries on earth. so've Got some pretty high tech stuff going on. I <laughs> <laughs>
1: The, the clap. He looks very similar to his... Uh, oh, that's, that's
0: the thing. He's from well, not that, that far. He's from central Russia. Well, they,
1: they copied the, the, the Russian military uniform. Yes, like. they did, yeah.
0: <clears throat> and that, that war wouldn't have started. The Korean, they wouldn't have had the, the gumption to start it without Russian. Not Chinese. The Chinese came in after it began. Hmm. The initial impetus from Eurasia came from Moscow for them to... Because they could see, originally Korea was partitioned after the Americans caused the collapse of the Japanese Empire. And they partitioned it in 1945 and it was supposed to be temporary. And just like in Vietnam, the North the north, and some of the South were like, uh, no, this it can't be permanent. Yeah, and so like they it. made a push to take it all. And they did actually in 1950. They initially took, almost down, except for a small pocket, which was the Bridgehead for the massive American and British invasion, counter-invasion, I suppose,
1: which is why come back. South Korea is overrun by American artillery to this day.
0: Yeah, that that could never have happened though without um, Moscow's full green light in 1950. Um, here's another story. I had not much to say on Ukraine. It's kind of nothing changed. The Spring Ukrainians are still really well. throwing themselves. <clears throat> By the thousands uh, against Russian defences. Um, in the sites, yeah, yeah. Fucking crazy. Anyway, um, but this story for me just, in a microcosm, encapsulates the entire episode. The um, is reporting <coughs> uh, that a U.S. Marine called Trevor Reed, um, ex-Marine, I suppose they have to qualify that, right, was flown out of Ukraine this week after, quote, stepping on a landmine. The weird thing about this guy is he's not just another Merck. He had been seconded, I think, to the U.S. Embassy in Moscow. And in 2019, he was arrested, I think, because he was pissed out of his brains one night and he was resisting arrest somewhere around back streets in Moscow. Um, he ended up, <laughs> yeah, he was arrested <clears> for that and charged and convicted. And, but he was released that year in a prisoner swap. I'm not sure for who if Mm I remember. Mm -hmm. So he is freed. Well you'd think, well get out of Dodge, go home to America right? He ends up in Ukraine because he wants to get back at them Russians. (laughs) The dumbass stepped on a mine last week and now yeah, he's got no legs. So that's that's where ideology will take you if you're not careful.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah. Is that
0: good? That's it. That's it for me. Do you want to hear a joke? <clears throat> ah yeah, definitely. Oh, someone says RFK is a CIA op <laughs> No agenda lads No Agenda Lads Theory, what? Yeah, no. J- Bobby Jr. he's he's got a hard on for Israel. It's revolting, but there you go.
1: What can you do? Uh, did you hear about the man who was hospitalized with six plastic horses? In, in his in his stomach.
0: God no! What happened?
1: A doctor described his condition as stable.
0: <laughs> that's terrible.
1: And Taxi, that's. I'll get my coat. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I can feel the global boiling. Can you? I think no. I can feel it.
0: Well, no.
1: I can feel it. Yeah. If I'm him, going with that girl, whoever she was, who's Clash Schwab's wife. Uh, the, the daughter. Oh, daughter, sorry, yeah. I hope that wasn't his wife. Um, yeah, it's it feels more than more than anything else that I'm, yeah. I'm going to go with from now on. If I feel... It uh, feels a bit unbearable, doesn't it? Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. I'm going to read more scary articles and then see how I feel about yeah. about the world after that. Um, but definitely, I can feel the boiling. I think it might be boiling. Check outside there. I think it might be actually a bit of bubbling going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tarmax melting it huh? could be uh, anyway yeah so we'll leave it there for this week folks thanks for watching listening hope you enjoyed the, enjoyed the show um, and thanks for commenting we'll be back next week with another show on whatever like we usually say nonsense has been going on aliens them or, them now, or if there's any we'll aliens get Joe to weigh in I'm going to have to find a way to provoke him you man. can just ask me every week <clears throat> and maybe I'll change my mind sometime I'll catch anyway. him out somehow yeah so we'll leave it there yeah uh, so have a good one Take it easy. See you next Thanks week. Thanks for Bye. watching. Bye. Can't stop the signal now.